Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam with you again on this Friday edition of the Sermon Podcast. We wanted to take this opportunity to share this message with you from Pastor Ron Bannett. We got the news earlier this week that he had passed away after a bout with COVID, entered into the joy of his Lord. And we were very sad to hear that. Pastor Bannett has had a long history of faithful service and ministry to the kingdom of God and in our fellowship, and no doubt has entered into his reward. And so we wanted to take this Friday um, this Friday episode and dedicate it to him, his life, his ministry. We're going to present a message that he preached in a Prescott conference some time ago, but we want to do something extra special, uh, not only to hear ministry from Pastor Bannett that he provided in a Prescott conference, but we want to do something special to bless his grieving widow, uh, Kathy. We want to provide a link for anybody who would like to give uh, to her bereavement fund. There is a link in the show notes that is an easy way for you to give. Uh, your donation will go to our church here in Virginia Beach, and then we will add them all together and pass them forward uh, to her in her time of grieving. I think it would be a blessing for this podcast to be able to raise some funds for her. We've decided as a podcast that we're going to go ahead and give $50 of what we have raised uh, for world evangelism, and we're going to send that into her as a gift from the Sermon Podcast here in Virginia Beach. We also want to do something very special to encourage you to become a premium subscriber. For anyone else who wants to become a subscriber at uh, either $3 a month at our supercast.tech website, or if you're going on the Apple platform, we've decided that we, for every new subscriber within the next seven days, if you hear this message and you become a subscriber within seven days, we're going to add an additional $20 uh, to that gift that we're sending in. So we're asking you to give of your own accord. Uh, also, if you want to take the opportunity to become a subscriber right now to our premium podcast, we are going to add $20 to the $50 uh, that we've already decided to give. And we hope that we can send her something special uh, in into her bank account during this difficult time that she is grieving the loss of her husband to help her feel the love of our fellowship. So we just wanted to put that out there, guys. Uh, we want to do something special for the Bannett family. And if you, uh, if you have been considering uh, becoming a subscriber, this would hopefully be the, the reason that you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Follow the link. And for everyone that does, within the next seven days, we're going to be giving an additional $20 uh, from our podcast funds directly to uh, the Bannett family during this time of grieving. Thanks again, and we hope you really enjoy uh, this message from Pastor Bennett. Ah, thank God. Here we are. <laughs> Good to be. It's a, it is always an extreme, uh, extreme privilege to, 
stand by stand behind the pulpit and preach uh, preach and be a part it's been a tremendous conference and i do just uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh to minister the word of god amen i pastor mitchell said last night he said at 11 o'clock paul stevens is you're going to get the prophetic well i'm going to try not to be pathetic hallelujah I mean, I thought he was going to build up the, con hey, hey, man, we got a fine lineup, fine lineup. You don't want to miss tomorrow. No, you don't want to miss tomorrow at 11. I immediately felt like Manasseh, amen. It's like, okay, 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 all right, I'll just, the prophetic, just don't be pathetic. Okay, okay, okay. Well, Proverbs chapter Chapter four, uh, this is, uh, you know, I had, um, uh, I, I found out, you know, and uh, Pastor Warner, just a mental giant and great spirit that uh, just a couple weeks ago that I was going to take his spot because he was uh, just uh, uh, unable to make it, you know, and I, I, had, I had everything all planned out. Uh, man, I, I had the sermon, I had it, I had it. I had it all, but how many know sometimes life throws you a loop? Throws you a loop. I, it kind of remembered the time I, uh, uh, about February, February of last year or so, the, I, I, is, um, I was on my final uh, check ride with the Civil Aviation Authority. Uh, it was a morning time. I got in a seat of a, of a, of a just a little overwing Cesta, and there was a Civil Aviation pilot from uh, South Africa in the Civil Aviation Service, and I was doing my final test uh, to get my pilot's license, uh, just to, uh, to fly around South Africa, just do some stuff, and I remember getting in the, getting in the, getting in the plane, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win the guy over. Uh, he said, uh, you know, but he was very, very serious a guy. I mean, I was, I was extremely nervous, but hey, I had my flight plan all planned out. What level? Uh, yeah, nah, I said, no problem. I said, the, the best way to get over anxiety is just have everything all planned down. Of course, uh, I get in there, I'm making small talk, you know. Oh, you're, and he found out when I was talking, you know, that, oh, you're an American. And I'm, I said, yes, I'm thinking, oh, does he, does an American owe him money or something? I, uh, I'm trying to make small talk. Are you married? He said yes, and I'm hoping. I hope he didn't get in a fight with his wife. He's going to take it out on me. I said, "You got kids?" And I was hoping he he had small kids and not teenage kids that could have been tormenting his life too. You know? He said, "Yeah, I got. I, I'm married. Yes. No, no. My kids are all all grown out of the house. You know. I'm and then and then he makes a statement to me. He said, "Look." Uh, I know you set the flight plan, but I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to change things, and you, if you get us lost, automatic failure, and I'm going, I like you too, okay. <laughs> and then he said, if you drop altitude by 300 feet, I'm failing you too. So many accidents are caused by pilots that can't hold altitude. I'm going, okay. So, I mean, it was... It's going to be a good trip, you know, so I mean, uh, man, everything works okay. I'm, I'm about, it's about a four-hour test. I'm about at the two-and-a-half, three-hour. I'm over there by the, 
border of Botswana, and this guy is kind of, the instructor is kind of sleeping. He's just kind of, I'm thinking he's not, no, I'm just flying the plane, you know, I'm going, hey, this is, this will be great if this guy just sleeps the whole time. I mean, this is wonderful. But I'm, I'm right over there by the Botswana border, which is the, the track that he changed me, you know, he, uh, he took my cell phones, he took my iPad, he said, no, no, we're not flying GPS here, you're flying maps, uh, pilotage, dead reckoning, meaning that from the map and the ground, you're going to tell us, and if you get lost, like, like I said, he took it all from me, because I, I, I like to fly GPS when I was practicing before the test, and the, I'm sitting there thinking, hey, man, everything's going just as planned but in a moment the guy woke up and he said immediate divert I don't know if you fly when you hear the word when you don't have a GPS divert your 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 mind goes into absolute chaos I'm going I'm going pardon me he said no pardon me divert to Brits I'm going no 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 you you threw this all in the loop. What, what divert means is that I'm heading to an airport. I know where I'm going. He just told me to go to another airport. That means why I'm flying. I can't drop altitude. I have to get out my map, get out a protractor, draw lines, measure, leg times, all while I'm trying to fly a plane. I mean, he messed me and he made it clear. If you don't get me to Brits, you fail. <laughs> I, I, I took it he must have gotten a bad fight with his wife the night before I don't know this guy uh, I said okay and so well, I said all that to say this you know I had to uh, I had my sermon all planned out but Gen, I was going to preach out of Genesis 48 I was going to preach on Joseph Manasseh and Ephraim I had the flight plan I mean I had the nerves hey I had and to my utter a horror horror when Greg Mitchell stepped up there and said Genesis 48 I thought I said well maybe I have a little luck here amen maybe he'll preach something no 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 luck the sermon amen you've heard it once I can't preach it again and so now for the last two days I I and <laughs> I've been diverted off my flight plan that was filed. Amen. I've been messed up by somebody of greater authority than I. <laughs> and I did pass my check ride to get my license, but I hope I pass this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Proverbs 4, verse 23. I want to I start with that verse uh, because it is the foundational verse of the particular man that had to wrestle through some issues, and that is... Uh, uh, about the heart. In Proverbs 4, verse 23 says the words, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out, um, out of it um, will spring um, the issues um, of uh, life. You know, I was thinking about life, and I was thinking about just living, and I was, uh, and uh, Particularly in life, as you live, you know, you got small kids, older kids. As you get older, you got different, um, amen, operations and things that people's bodies go through. That was, I was, things that hurt most. And as I was thinking about things that hurt most, 
in life and uh, you you yourself have probably been through many different physical circumstances or that have brought you either a little pain or great pain i think every woman here uh yeah i don't uh that has had um, kids amen i have been both times in the in the room when my wife had both of our kids and it was uh it was not a pretty thing. I think I would have fainted under such pain. I was reading about a guy, and this uh, particular guy uh, uh, on National Geographic, he was a man that his job was to measure pain of bees. And uh, they had a, he had a bare arm, and on that... And on that bare arm, they would take different bees from Africa, Brazil, all over the world, and they would put him on their put him on this arm. They would agitate them. They would sting him, and he would say, "One to ten. <laughs> One being the least, ten being the greatest." And of course, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a two, yeah, a three, amen. And then they. Uh, then they got this little bee, and this man just began to quiver a little bit. He said, wow, I've been stung by that bee. It looks little compared to an American wasp, but all. And they put it on his arm, and then that bee stung him. And they, they said, ten and a half, eleven. <laughs> and his whole, his whole life was measuring pain. And in church, you know, the things that many times that cause us pain in in church you know in El Dorado Park you know we have uh, uh, lots of uh, lots of things always stolen and lots of people are all the time coming me regular services you know they they love the little VW emblems and the antennas off of VWs and they're always stealing hubcaps emblems and antennas and you know, every month or so, there'll always be somebody that would come talk to me, Pastor, they, uh, the thieves are at it again. They stole this, they stole that. We've had a couple of cars that have been stolen. And they're mad and irritated about that. But in, in pastoring, and, and I, I just turned 55 years old. Uh, I believe if I would have known I lived this long, I took better care of myself. 55 years old. For my birthday present, my wife got me the, I'm an official member of AARP, American Association for Retired, retired People. Not retarded people. I know what you're thinking. But, you know, uh, being saved at age 19, you know, and uh, then uh, my whole life from pioneering in Escondido, California, and then the years throughout the United States and the last 15 years in, in, uh, in South Africa, you know, the, uh, I have discovered, though, you know, people might cry over, over a stolen car, over a stolen VW emblem, over uh, women will, amen, and relive and tell about the pain of childbirth. Uh, and uh, probably one of the greatest things that I am, uh, as a pastor deal with with people that are out in the out in the field people that are in the church are not so much these things but that but they they, they do do something to them but it is the pain that is experienced or they have experienced 
from people or and the words or the actions that people have done against their life. And I begin to think about this with Job. It says, it figured, Pastor, you go preaching out of Job, amen. But Job is a very interesting guy, and, and as you read about, read about Job and all the, in the first two chapters of Job, it tells about his, uh, what's happened. And, but in the many times that I have read through doing, you know, uh, yearly Bible readings, and you, uh, Job, you've always got to read through the book of Job to get through your Bible readings. Uh, it, is, uh, it is like 30, you know, 33 chapters of um, Job and his three friends, and it's like the chapter after chapter, it is th his three friends uh, that are, though Job had lost it all, though Job has suffering a great deal, um, it is, it is the, the major part of Job are these three friends um, that um, are, um, that come on the scene, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and they begin um, to um, attack Job and call him unclean, unrighteous, um, hidden sin, and it is their talk over and over in their cycle of their negative speeches and words that are coming against this man's life. And it, it drove even Job to a point that in Job 13, 3 through 5, it's Job says, look, you guys, it would be better if you would all together hold your peace. And the, and because though Job has lost a lot, now it, it is the attack of people. It is the attack that is coming against Job's life that is bringing an incredible amount of pressure, an incredible amount of condemnation upon his life. And I think in dealing and in talking and in working through people in life, in ministry, some of the greatest wounds and trouble and pain that people feel has to do when a person, a pastor, a disciple, a pastor's wife, a, a, a parishioner has been hurt by another person, people, people pain. And, you know, I've seen people lose cars. I've seen people, you know, get lots of things happen to them, and they can seem to process like that. They... They can go on. But, you know, it seems like the, when people have been done wrong by other people, that they completely lose their mind, lose their, when the emotions get involved from the assault, whether it's a word attack, a physical attack, whatever it is that they are going through, and they completely... Um, Lucy, I was thinking about this and all throughout the Word of God. And it is very, very clear that one of the main things that people have to deal with uh, 
are attacks that come from people. You can read, and even sinners that do us wrong. And here is um, Philemon um, in, the, in the book of uh, uh, Philemon. Um, it is Paul that writes to Onesimus. Um, and as he writes to Onesimus, um, he writes him because Onesimus um, is a man that is in connection with Paul. He's in connection with the work and the will of God. Um, and um, But Onesimus, um, he uh, was violated by um, a man, a person that was working for him, that uh, uh, belonged to him and somehow we don't know the great violations that happened at home but Philemon ended up amen running running away and Paul comes in connection with him and it is that that man ends up getting saved but Paul has to write the apostle and he had to begin to admonish Onesimus hey look I know this guy has violated you I'm sure that if if Philemon would have went back and to, um, to uh, Onesimus without this, uh, just the violation that this man had done to Onesimus, that Onesimus uh, because of that um, would have uh, amen, maybe overacted or did something very harsh. Paul uh, had to write uh, and uh, had to undergird this, uh, this reunion and ask Onesimus, I know this man uh, has done you wrong, uh, but I ask you uh, if you will take him back, uh, if you um, will... Um, Work this through uh, with this man that is now helpful to me. Sometimes it is friends that, that can violate us. Uh, David writes in Psalms in uh, verse 55, um, he says those words, uh, and uh, he says in verse 12, if it was an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, uh, that, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hidden myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked on to the house of God in company. So here is David. He's not writing about an enemy, a Philistine that's, uh, that has tormented his life, uh, or somebody he knowed that it would be, be a known aggressor against his life. Uh, but this person happened to be a friend uh, that assaulted his life uh, and come against his life. Uh, and David is writing that uh, because uh, it brought in his life uh, a great uh, hardship, uh, a great um, amount of... Uh, of um, pain. It is Jesus that had his Judas, uh, one of the 12. Uh, it is the apostle Paul that writes, uh, and this is a common uh, this is a common arena that people must deal with all the time in our church that I pastor in, and, and people that will go out to pioneer. This is a lesson uh, that is going to have to be learned, uh, is that sometimes some of the hardest uh, lessons learned uh, are, uh, amen, uh, that though people are saved, though people are born again, People can be sometimes some of the most cruelest things on the planet, and God loves them anyway. It is Paul that writes to Timothy and says, Oh, Timothy, beware of Alexander the coppersmith who did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also, Timothy, beware, for he has greatly resisted our words at my first defense, no one stood, stood with me, 
all forsook me, may it not be charged against the them. Here is the apostle Paul that realized uh, and wrestled with, uh, though there were times that uh, he lacked money. I think uh, the greatest wound uh, or some of the greatest assaults uh, against his life uh, were uh, people that actively were engaged uh, against uh, his uh, life. It is Paul that once again, he writes to Timothy, and I think, you know, he, he's writing to Timothy to let him know that, hey, look, in, in life and ministry, there, you will have to deal with the assaults and the wounds of, of people uh, that, uh, that you are going to be working with them and around them while you are on your earthly ministry. He writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy Demas. And not uh, all of us know, you know, he, he writes that he has forsaken me. He ha he's loved this present world and he's departed for um, Thessalonica. And he's writing about a man, you know, that high hopes for a man that was involved. Uh, but now that man is, uh, is no longer there. Uh, you know, in, in Eldorado Park, we have conference boards all over, you know, in the the thing about conference boards, because you know, in you know, I I've I've only been in Eldorado nine years now, but the you know nine years were the conference boards, you know, and you 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 go by them, and certain people catch your eye from crowd shots or different pastors, workers, and and they are they are no longer there. They are no longer around or, or, and, or, or the worst of that, that's bad if they're no longer around, but yet if, when they suddenly start to, uh, the ones that work with you, now they're actively in the community just trying to come against you and harm you and, and, and bring you down. I, you know, I thought I was a well-liked guy in South Africa. Yeah. I'm from, you know, I'm from the Kentucky Midwest area, you know. Uh, we like people over there. Amen. We might not like you, but we invite you in the house for a cup of, uh, uh, a cup of sweet tea. Come on in. Amen. I mean, it's just how it is over there. Uh, but recently, you know, we, we started building a building there in Meadowlands. And, uh, and, you know, we got it surveyed, fenced off. Uh, the foundation is, is built, but... There's this, uh, the people, they have just turned ballistic over there against us. Amen. We have another pastor that's there. It's a very older church. I think it's about a 20-year church. They got, you know, five to ten couples out in the field now. Some of them are beyond the borders of South Africa doing uh, evangelistic work in other African nations. Uh, so we're building a building trying to get them out of the, trying to get them out of the tent. Um, and, uh, but people, because... We were given the land. They, uh, they came into one of our services in Medellin's on a Sunday night. They, uh, during the altar call, they completely destroyed the service, just completely just upset the whole service. Then they went over to the property because where we're meeting now is just uh, a stone's throw from where we're actually building the building. Went over there. They tore down the house that we built. They tore down the fence. Uh, and it was, it was a bad scene. And the reporter showed up. And when the reporters showed up, you know, I, you know, uh, <laughs> and, 
the pastor was there and he said, I said, bro, the reporter's there. Oh, this is not going to be good. He said, oh, pastor, I think we're going to have to meet with these people. I said, all right, uh, you do it and uh, you do it. I, uh, he said, okay, pastor, I'll do it. And then, and then he called me and I said, how'd it go? I said, okay. And I knew I, I said, okay, really wasn't okay. I said, what'd they say? What was their problem? And they said, you, pastor. I'm going, me? They said, yeah, yeah. They said that you're a, you're a white guy that's building all these churches all over South Africa, and you're having all these black men sell things for you and deal drugs out of these buildings. I'm going, you have got to be kidding. No, no. I mean, I try to, uh, South Africa, I don't know, you, you, the history of the, of the black-white thing. You know, I, I was over there when we first got the land, and I had to be over there, and, of course, the people were coming out. and said, oh, oh, the government gave it to you, the white guy. I'm going, no, 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 is it? I ain't, no, no, it's the church, the, the black church right here, all black, amen. No, not, ain't, ain't not a white person there. And ever since they saw me there, you know, they've been Googling, trying to find out information, you know, and as in, oh, it's the white guy, illicit activities, he's bribed them, he's corrupt, I, I, and to have them write that and say that, and I, I, I said, well, <laughs> I answered, I wanted, but I just kind of, okay, you have to, you have to just let it go, but, you know, but see, the danger many times of, of being wounded by people is that uh, is we, pu we pull back from people. We isolate ourselves from people. We become cynical of people. We begin to resent uh, people and which God has called us to minister to. But the and I have been to those places. I remember when I first took over El Dorado Park, I, I think I burned the phone line to Pastor Greg Mitchell because I had three or four guys just, not just, I mean, they, and, and I must tell you, I was, I was beyond myself over some violations that had been, been done to me. I mean, I had passed, but I'd never been in a platform like El Dorado Park. And my senses, what I was thinking, what I was going through, if I would have listened to them, I would have crashed the church in El Dorado Park and I would have crashed my own life. Which, and I needed something, an outside, some outside to look at to gauge my life because if I would have trusted uh, the church in El Dorado, it would have still been there because I would have been pulled out. They would have put somebody else in there and it, the church would have went on. But, I, and my, but my, me surviving that and the bitterness would have been very, very difficult. And, and I, I learned a very good lesson. I was, uh, once again, you know, I don't, you know, the... 
I just took up flying just to help me go places. There's a lot of churches that are within two or three hours flying. I can be lots of places and get there and back. But I was handicapped because I always have to fly by sunrise and be back by sunset because my license was only for daytime flighting. So uh, I said, well, I have to get a night rating then. I have to learn how to fly at night. And uh, after flying at night for three or four times, my instructor took me up and says, now, I want to show you a truth that you need to live by flying at night or flying when you go through the clouds. And I said, okay. So the instructor had me at nighttime. We were, we were probably eight or 9,000 feet. And he says, okay, I want you just to, I want you to understand how, how much visually you depend upon your eyes to sense where you are at and when that visual is taken away, how your body will lie to you constantly. And he said, so I want you to lean down. He took control of the plane and he said, I want you to close your eyes and what I'm going to do, I'm gonna mess the plane all up and then I want you to tell me what the plane is doing based upon what you are feeling. And I said, okay. I mean, he messed it up pretty good, but I thought for sure, no, we're, we're about at a 10 or 20 degree bank to the right. And, you know, he, he, said, he said, now look up. And we were at a 20 degree bank to the left. And I was blown away. He says, how more people get killed at night is because they're at nighttime because you can't see the horizon, you can't see many times, especially you get in clouds and you're above the clouds and you can't see the grounds, the lights of the ground. You, you enter into something called spatial disorientation and, and um, uh, the lifespan of somebody that gets in the clouds that gets into that, it's about two or three minutes before you do the plane. I said, okay, I think I could get this, try it again. So he said, okay, this time I'm gonna do it again, but I want you to get the plane out but remember, you're not going to get, be able to get this plane out of this condition on your senses. You've got to look at your gauges. In an airplane, they have an artificial horizon. They have uh, vertical speed indicators that tell you whether you're going up or down and how many feet up or down you're going. And I remember he got in a, uh, he got in a steep dive, and I could have swore we were heading straight up. And when he, he said, okay, now you, he he got it, and I lifted up, and I swore we were going straight, but we were going straight down at almost 3,000 feet a minute into the ground. And, of course, you had to just uh, buy your gauges. He said, no, 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 you don't look outside. You cannot trust it. And I learned very, very quickly something that I learned in the ministry a long time ago, especially when dealing with people problems and being wounded and wrestling with problems and not so much people that are good people that they want your help but people that have that are wounding you people that are don't want to be led people that are giving you trouble and it it it, it knocks you out and i realized a long time ago 
And then I understood that principle is that you have to have an outside source. You have to have something that will measure what's happening and choose something outside yourself to keep you from detonating and crashing your own life in a pastor's life. It has to be a pastor. It has to be somebody that is outside the situation that you are in because guarantee you, like an airplane at night in a cloud, I don't care how you think what's going on and how you feel things are, are happening. It, it is nothing what you feel like. You need an outside instrument in order to keep you on the straight and level in life. And it is from that and in dealing with and in dealing with that, I tell pastors all the time, if you get into people problems, uh, watch out. You get hurt by people. Hey, you're, watch, watch what you preach. Uh, well, watch. I've had many of pastors, they've been detonate churches, to, uh, 20 or 30 people gone because they've been violated by a person and they felt, what I need to do is this is what I need to do. And of course, after they did it, it detonates the church to 20 or 30 people are gone. And then they call me and say, oh, pastor, I just lost 30 people. How'd you lose 30 people? I said, well, you remember this guy? I said, yeah, yeah. I, I said, well, he did that. And, and so this is what I did. And I said, how stupid could you be? Why in the world did you do that? I said, Pastor, I felt like at the time that was what needed to be done. No, bro, bro, no, no. And since then, I've just done several classes with the pastors. I said, look, man, just uh, when you get involved with the hurts of people, amen, you can, you can wreck your car and you'll get over that. And it, but I want to tell you that the people hurts, the actions and the words, uh, you, you, you be best to always call and get a second opinion. You might be thinking straight. It might, but I want to tell you, you uh, are best uh, to get help. And I just learned that just from personal experience. And uh, wives. Yeah, I do feel for pastor's wife or Bible study leader's wife, you know, they, you wives can go through some hell on earth in churches and different situations. And uh, I can always just tell the pastor that, or the workers, uh, those that are beginning to move up in and, and, and different levels of ministry, amen, protect your wife as much as you can. But I also always tell the wife, I says, there's only so much you're, your husband is going to be able to protect you. You're going to be very vulnerable to the attacks of other women, other people. They are afraid to openly many times attack or come against the, uh, the pastor himself, but they will look for other channels to wound and to hurt. Him. And many times the channel can become our kids or it can become wives. And wives, oh, they can be especially uh, uh, vulnerable to the violations of other people. It seems like men, you know, they can shrug it off, but wives sometimes, uh, when we're violated by people uh, and words are said, actions are taken, and it can take them um, a long time. Um, and uh, all the uh, all wife, how critical you are um, to the ministry um, of um, your um, husband. Hey, Amen. Because uh, without your wife, husband, uh, you don't have a ministry. And I think the devil sees that and attacks that. 
God said to Abraham, Abraham, where's your wife? Why? Because he realized, amen, that a part of the plan that God was doing with Abraham was through Abraham. But the, the messengers were quick to bring Sarah into the fold because God realized, amen, that there is a divine partnership. And that divine partnership is and will be attacked from every angle trying to destroy what God wants to do. I want to close very quickly with the life of a greater portion. And I go back, I go back to, I go back to Job. Because here was Job, he was greatly violated. 30 chapters of these guys telling him how, how he's no good and he's messed up and he's got hidden sin. Won't he just bring it out? And I know Job's irritated, Job's agitated. He wants him to shut up. Why? Just, just go away. But being violated, and I think we can see this with Job, or throughout, and the battle many times when people get violated, they think that being violated by other people gives them a free pass. And, to back out of life, of ministry, and people. Did you ever think about Adam and Eve, God's children, but yet they aligned themselves with God's enemy, but God, because he was violated by his own children, did not back out of uh, helping those that have violated him. He did not pull back from planet earth and says, okay, I've been violated. I've had, I've put you in the best. I've helped. But because you violated, not only did you violate me, you went with the enemy. Amen. I, no more. But God pressed in through Abraham, through Israel, and, and through his own son coming. You can look at Paul, you can look at Jesus, but you can especially look at Job. And I believe this is the key. Because the key to a life um, of greater portion um, is a life that can learn to deal with them, um, forgive them, um, and go on um, in life. So many people, because of the violations of people, words, or actions, uh, they completely pull themselves from life ministry and do not want to go on and function in life. But I was thinking about Job. And it's very interesting in Job 42, verse 10, it says the words, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Is that this violation, amen, God didn't allow Job, okay, you're right, you've been violated by people, you've been wrongly spoken against, I give you a free pass to back out of life and dealing with these people, but God does it. God sent Job, amen, and Job had to wrestle, Job had to forgive, Job had to release, and the Bible is very, is very profound when he says that when Job prayed, for his friends. It is that point that the supernatural kicked in. The Bible says that his captivity was turned not before, but after. 
after he prayed, after he released, after he dealt with the violations of his life, the Bible says that it was then that God began to kick into Job's life and Job became enlarged. And I tell you, one of the great things of life and largeness of heart comes and that supernatural power of God kicks in when you can have the ability and a forgiving heart, a heart that will release others and forgive and go on with life will always be a life of greater portion, will always be a life that God, amen, can bring on into the next chapters of our life. It is when he prayed, face those. It is Joseph. And I'm going to get a little bit of Joseph in here after spending hours on that sermon. I had to do lots of forgiving. <laughs> But see, Joseph, you know, wrongly. But you know, the interesting thing about Joseph, I heard it many times, and I never thought about it until somebody brought it up. They said, you know, Joseph came to a very high position in life, but he never, after he was number two, we never read of him bringing up Potiphar or Potiphar's wife. The brothers, the forgiveness. See, where they're, you look throughout the scripture, some of the greatest people have been people that have been greatly violated, but the thread that runs throughout their life is they have this ability to be able to work through, to forgive, to navigate over. And pastoring the, the years that I've had, I've seen some people because of this very issue, the inability to be able to just move on and forgive is that they miss out on the future. They miss out on all that God has for them because of this issue. Forgive, you want greater ministry? Learn how to work with difficult, forgive. And I tell you what, God, there is always open doors for what God will do for that man, that woman. That's all I've got, God bless you. much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.